0: Hello there internet explorers, it is I, Matt Silverman, producer of this fine audio program and uh, we're taking the week off this week due to some travel and scheduling conflicts, but we will be back the following week with some uh, pretty cool stuff coming in the pipeline, but for now, it's an encore episode. Uh, Back when we started the show we were talking about a lot of different topics that fascinated us and i do recall ali always saying what's up with sonic the hedgehog why is there so much fan art and of course uh sexy fan art of this specific video game and, and, and cartoon comic book character why sonic i mean there's fan art of everyone but Sonic's got a special place in the sexy fan art world, and uh, we, we had to explore it, and we finally pinned down a gentleman named K. Thor Jensen, who uh, excavates the internet uh, memes and culture the way we do and the way we like to uh, explore it as well. And he had written an article that... Elaborates what's going on here. Why Sonic? Uh, and I think it's a mixture of uh, intense fandom and, uh, as he explains in this episode, a, a sort of hands off or an obtuse canonical view of what Sonic and his compatriots are and are allowed to do. Uh, and that combination has led to um, a very unique place in fandom for Sonic the Hedgehog. So, uh this was published originally August 12th, 2019, 2 billion years ago, of course, but it is uh among our favorite episodes because it answered a lot of questions uh and Mr. Jensen was very fascinating to talk to. So, uh while we are out of pocket Please enjoy this encore episode. Why is there so much Sonic the Hedgehog porn on the internet? Uh, the answer to that question will surprise you. And uh, I think you'll be, I think you'll feel more educated when you're done with this one. So uh, we hope you enjoy as much as we did. And we will talk at you in the following week. Thanks.
1: We now return to Two Girls, One Podcast already in progress. This week's super- Our Sonic Audio Broadcast is about everyone's second favorite video game character behind q That's right, it's Sonic the Hedgehog and the legions of fans who really want to pee in his mouth. And now here are the hosts who are deeply regretting their life choices after hearing this intro. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Janula.
2: Everybody, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls One Podcast. Allie and I are performers. For a lot of years, we had a show called Blog Logs where we took internet material, we used it as our script, performed it live on stage in front of an audience, and thought about who could be saying these words and why. We learned a lot about identity, communication, all of these things, and we decided we would like to meet the people behind the posts. So we created a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we did interviews with people behind the post and went on scripted adventures. That's on Hoo-Ha-Ha. Hoo-Ha! Yes. We haven't heard that in a while, Matt. Thank you.
3: Why (laughs) would you thank him for that? I kind of missed it. (laughs) Did you?
2: I kind of did. Is that? Yeah. I'm sorry, Allie. Yeah, I did. (laughs)
0: and listeners have been missing it too i've been i've been told you getting some emails yeah Mm, maybe maybe all right well
2: any hoo ha ha yeah Mm. (laughs) (laughs) now we have this podcast so welcome we're happy that you're here we are interviewing people behind different internet communities and phenomena uh yeah what what have you been hearing from the listeners matt what's going on
0: uh they like the show Cool, wow, guys. Thanks. great
3: story. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: today's topic is pretty fucked up. So if you are not <laughs> into our Fowler episodes, uh, keep listening. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I've been wondering about this phenomenon for a long time because when you and I were performing internet text, we read years ago that for some reason Sonic is like one of the most popular – Characters in fan fiction porn, if not the most right. popular, right?
0: the restaurant, like the burger joint, yeah sonic sit uh, down fries. Matthew,
3: sit down. <laughs>
0: Sonic the Hedgehog. Actually,
3: I'm sure that... Oh,
0: the Hedgehog. I'm sure
3: that that factors in somewhere. Because (laughs) the other thing is he's very much featured in all kinds of crossover stuff. So, like, they combine Sonic with other fetishes. So, there's definitely, like, feeder porn with Sonic. But I don't get it. He's a blue hedgehog and everyone thinks he's sexy AF.
2: So, I... Played Sega Genesis as a kid. My brother had and it, you and to Sonic, Sonic was it was Sonic. No, well, mm-hmm. we played Sonic and Mortal Kombat, and I think I was just so in love with Mario that Sonic barely made an impression okay. on me. But like, you only had eyes for I like,
3: Mario and Luigi. Yeah, and really,
2: to be honest, the Mushroom Girl and sort of Yoshi. Yoshi was kind of fucking oh, cool. I could get like, behind Yoshi. Um, literally, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. Boom Okay. But yeah, Sonic never made a big impression I on me. But yeah, somehow he has taken the world's attention. Listeners. Their loins by storm. Yep.
3: Yeah. Listeners, if <laughs> yeah. you didn't already know about this, I am sorry because it is a foul, foul wormhole. I mean, like the deepest, darkest porn features Sonic the Hedgehog. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, there's a movie coming yeah. out, right? It's not out yeah, yet. Which, is it going to make yeah. the porn
3: better or worse? Like the proliferation of it. I don't mean better like quality. I don't know, Maybe
2: it'll make it mainstream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, more of yeah. it. Of course. Of course. More Sonic what equals more porn. I, I mean, mean, a lot of people like to sexualize
3: Tony the Tiger as well. But I just don't understand. I think that's more of a trolling thing. But Sonic. Right. Um, so we're talking to someone today who basically went Into these deep, dark depths for all of us and compiled the worst Sonic fan fiction porn that he could. He created a list (laughs) of 20 items. They are fascinating and horrifying. And he's done some research into this Sonic phenomenon, and we are going to speak with him. I am so sorry. And also, you're welcome. You're welcome. We're bringing
2: it all to you. You don't need to open up an incognito tab. You can just make sure you have headphones on at work. But <laughs> yeah. whatever, um, it's about to get kind of gross here. When did yeah. we
3: first learn about Rule Thirty
2: Four? Do you know? <laughs> oh, ages ago. I don't know when we were doing blog logs, so it must have been. But six I'm or saying, seven years what ago, was the like that?
3: thing that we found that we realized? Like, when did you know what I mean? There was a moment where we found was Rule Thirty Four, and it's because we were looking at something super fucked up. I feel
2: like it was furries or bronies. Mm, oh, it had to be something different.
0: <laughs> well, okay. this is my question: is is the Sonic stuff just a a single example of Rule Thirty Four? Because like literally everything applies to Rule Thirty Four. I'm sure there's tons of Super Mario Brothers uh, fan fiction and porn. Yes. Or is there a significantly more Sonic compared to others? And, and I guess there's no way to know that, but it seems like this is very prevalent and, very, and can get very dark from what, from what you've told me.
3: Supposedly, there's more Sonic than most... I mean, I don't know. I, at one point I read he was the most popular... You said that, and
0: I, I do wonder about that. Um,
3: but he's popular. But Jen, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Bronies because we found My Little Pony porn... Anyway, for our listeners who don't know, Rule 34 is, if it exists, there is porn of it on the internet.
2: Boom. <laughs> Sorry. All I'm right, just great. Googling, for is Sonic the most popular fan fiction? <laughs> and I'm not getting any legitimate sources. So if any of you know, yeah. let us, if, mm. if there's like some sort of stat behind that, that might be interesting. Tweet at us at Junebugger at AllieGold.com you think there's a Pornhub stack? Oh, interesting.
3: Like, cause you, you found that macrophilia was like the number three most searched thing on yeah. Pornhub. Yeah. I'm not going to keep Googling
2: for the sake of our listeners, but let's find that out. We will let you guys know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pornhub is very uh, eager to share certain kinds of data, which is really quite fascinating. But like something like this is very hard for the average internet user to create in video form, I imagine. So I, I yeah. assume what we're talking about is Art, you know, uh, drawn art or uh, art. and and written fiction, right?
3: Yes, yes. So like Pornhub you know probably not. Much. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, interesting.
0: I, I'm with you though. Of like, Sonic is a great game and it's a great franchise, but like, pales in comparison to the social influence of a, a character or a franchise like Super Mario Brothers. So like, why the obsession? It it, it does baffle me too. As a video game lover.
2: Isn't there a sexy woman hedgehog? Maybe it stemmed from that. Like, isn't uh, what's her name? We're gonna talk about her today for sure. Do you know what I'm talking about, Allie? What's wrong with you, Shadow? Her (laughs) name is Shadow. (laughs) Shadow the Hedgehog. Okay, right, right. Um maybe it came from her because she really is kind of like like akin to Jessica Rabbit sort of situation. Like really sexy.
3: Oh of course they always have to make the female character sexy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But isn't Sonic isn't Sonic sexy? And isn't uh I mean, is it about him going fast? Is it about him being a lovable creature a la furry fandom? You know, is this what this is? I think it might be.
3: I think you're being way too rational about mm-hmm, this, Matt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think people just love to watch Sonic. Fuck.
2: <laughs> <laughs> super fast. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, right. Oh, fast super fast?
3: That's not good. That's not good. That's uh, yeah, not a He's good a curious idea. choice. I agree. I mm-hmm. agree.
2: Um, also, <laughs> apparently there's Sonic Lion King memes out there Like where they're taking Simba oh. and making him blue And then saying things about Sonic Yeah, yeah. Um, Right,
0: okay, the crossovers They I combine want to more it about with that.
3: everything right. okay. mm-hmm. It's so crazy
0: okay. Alright, um, I'm excited to learn more We do have to take a break yeah. uh, The sponsor, we, we gotta get the sponsors in here But first, it is trivia time Thank
3: god This trivia better be so fucked up today
0: You know I love a good trivia And you know I love a good gaming trivia mm-hmm. Today's trivia is all about Sonic the Hedgehog. Obviously, in the early 90s, game developer Sega was desperately trying to compete with Nintendo, the king of video games, as Jen obviously alluded to. Mario is huge, continues to be. Sonic was the the rival, the upstart. Uh, uh, Nintendo's Super Mario was unbeatable in the market, so Sega was desperate to create a franchise that could rival it. At first, they envisioned their game with a rabbit protagonist, which would have completely changed all of this messed up fan fiction we're about to talk about. The rabbit could pick up objects and fly around with his large ears, but the design of that game was actually too technically challenging at the time. This is early 90s, I believe. Uh, so Sega finally settled on a fast-moving hedgehog, which I think the, the speed of this game took advantage of Sega Genesis technology. There was a chip that allowed graphical rendering uh, that you could move the screen very fast, so that was this was a big deal. So they, they figured out a fast hedgehog was the way to go. However, Sonic was not his original name. What was Sonic called before he was Sonic? I have three choices for you. Cannot wait. Go for it. A, Mr. Needle Mouse. B, Blue Lightning. Or C, Mega Boy.
3: <laughs> well, that's delightful. I love Blue Needle Mouse, but I don't think that's right. I think it's Cor- correction, B or C. M- Mr. Mr. Ne- you
0: combine two. Blue- Mr. Needle Mouse is choice A. Oh, Blue sorry, sorry, Lightning sorry. is B.
3: I love Mr. Needle House. Me- Mr. No. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Are you guys? drinking?
0: You should sleep more. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> thanks, guys. I think Mr.
0: Needlemouse Mouse sounds like Slender I'm Man or something creepy like that. Take a nap.
3: <laughs> okay. I'll be back in an hour. We'll come back at the end of trivia.
0: <laughs> Slender Man. Five children were dead today thanks to the meme known as Mr. Mr. Needlemouse. Mr. Needle <laughs> Needle Mouse.
3: <laughs> Blue lightning okay, sounds no, like love, grease lightning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the name Mr. Needle Mouse, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. It's what I'm going to call my vagina from now, and no, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Mr. Needle Mouse.
2: <laughs> That's inexplicable, <laughs> but okay.
3: Um, and what was the last one? Mega Boy.
0: Yes. C. Uh, Choice C. Mega Boy. Mega Boy. That's super fun to say. So I'm just gonna go for that. <laughs> it is fun to say. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That sounds likely. I'll go with B. Just to spice it okay. up.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Allie goes with Blue Lightning. Jen goes with Megaboy, we will find out Sonic's original name after this very important and highly lucrative commercial break.
1: And now a real advertisement entitled, Wanted, Time Machine Ride, Back to When Radiohead Matter Lower East Side, from the website that can only exist thanks to a variety of time travel paradoxes, Craigslist.
5: I am looking for a ride back to a time when Radiohead was still cutting edge music anywhere uh between uh, uh 1994 uh, uh, to 99 no return trip necessary also interested in a low mileage uh Toyota Camry uh from the same time period same price
2: just listening to Radiohead yesterday uh, <laughs> I,
1: was, uh, <laughs> nah. I had like
2: a strong hankering and it, it just goes in phases like I won't want to listen to them for a year and then I really want to listen to them and I can remember in the 90s my brother and I were like explaining to my mom so stereotypically we're like mom this is like our version of the Beatles
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah and well, that's not okay.
2: <laughs> I know we've been like super precocious. Like we just thought we knew everything, but yeah, <laughs> I still love them though. I saw them in concert last year. They were amazing.
3: You I did? A,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I was never into them, but I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to gauge like the Beatles Comparison changed music. To the
3: Beatles though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't know that they like changed. Yeah. The way music sounds forever, but they're, I, yeah, they're, I would compare them more like the Rolling Stones, maybe. Yeah.
0: Mm, mm. I,
2: I actually don't know what I'm talking about, though. So if you get mad at me and you're listening to this, <laughs> just <laughs> correct me. Actually, listeners, what do you think? Who, yeah, who throughout history would you compare Radiohead to, or are they singular?
0: Well, well I, um, a meta question that I think about a lot is when back in, in a time when there were, you know, three record labels and five radio stations and seven TV channels only. And then you have the Beatles come along or Elvis come along like that artist was those artists were so revolutionary and there was not very little else to watch or consume. So they became like a global phenomenon that is since been unrivaled now it's like you could get you know a million you know 10 million views on the internet and be like super famous but only in your bubble you go you talk to the person next door to you and they're like i have no idea who you're talking about like i guess what i'm saying is the elvis and the beatles can never happen again post internet and that's very interesting to me
3: yeah yeah. Wait, that could still happen again. There are still things, I think, that rise to the top. Such as? Well, my head immediately went to shows, but like, I don't know. I feel like Game of Thrones, till they pissed everyone off. Like, I mean, the popularity of that is insane, even though we have oh, the internet. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, hugely insane. But I guess I I mean, like, not that everyone loved the Beatles in the 60s. I'm sure that wasn't the case. But like, you couldn't walk down the street or turn on the television without seeing the Beatles and like I guess like Game of Thrones is similar but
3: Beyoncé like,
2: Yeah. Boom. I hate to say it but maybe like theories. Ariana Grande?
0: I just Right, name any pop star. But I guess I'm saying fast forward 50 years and like Ariana Grande and Beyoncé will still be very important artists but they will not be the Beatles, you right. know what I mean? And I, I guess I just mean like were, the Beatles were great, but they also were an artifact of their time. I don't right, know. Why
3: don't you tell us uh, Sonic's original name? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Was it A, Mr. Needlemouse, B, Blue Lightning, or C, Megaboy? Allie, you went with B, Blue Lightning uh, after mixing up and messing up most of these names.
3: Yep, I can't talk.
0: Jen went with C, Megaboy. So fun
3: to say. B-b-boy. Sticking with those answers? Yes,
0: please. The correct answer. Sonic's original name was A. Mr. Needlemouse.
3: That's a terrible it, name. What? No, it's the best <laughs> name ever. <laughs> I don't know. He I can't like believe a, that that was it.
0: Very literal.
2: He sounds like, like know, a stuffy British... Like door Mr. Or Needle mouse or something.
0: Yeah, he yes. does. <laughs> Needle mouse. Needle, yes, it's totally. Is it Mr. Needle Mouse a character in Harry Potter?
3: <laughs> no. Oh. Shut the fuck no. up. No, guys. No, it's not. I can't believe they did Mr. Needle Mouse and then changed it.
0: I know. In making up the other fake names, I was like uh, using a thesaurus to to find words that meant fast, and like there aren't a ton you of like a cool thesaurus words.
3: to find other words for fast
0: what because there aren't many like i'm like quick quick hog like th- that's stupid so like the the words the the name sonic is actually a pretty badass did name. you
3: find any surprising synonyms no okay Squickle- that's squiggly was, that's did, nice you know that <laughs> work, yeah, did you know that
0: one no, yeah i'm saying sit sit in a boardroom and say okay we have a hot we have a hedgehog he runs really fast what's his name fast guy like either sonic is a brilliant name and and where they found it i don't know but they should have uh, named I'm him glad they did <laughs> right just a just a sound <laughs>
2: well yeah. well i mean what well, i'm sorry this is a silly question but so he's breaking this son, like a sound barrier with how fast he goes or something or like sure, yeah, sure.
0: okay sonic boom I, yeah, yeah. I mean, sonic just means sound but i it's implied that he is faster than sound faster than it's than sound. good it's a it's good, really good name what
2: would you what i think would matt might be at? turned on what? <laughs> yeah baby in all of your research like what what would you might maybe have called him if you were making that decision no
0: i i, I don't know i don't mr. know but mouse. I, I came across a. <laughs> I mean mr mr needle mouse is so silly and, and cartoonish so good there have been many sonic games not all of them very good uh in 2009 they were developing sonic the hedgehog 4 they codenamed it project needle mouse oh wow Uh, And um, oh, something else cool that I found I thought was technically interesting, which was if you've played uh, Sega games, especially on the Genesis system, there's an opening screen where there's sort of like a chorus of singers going Sega. You're familiar with that? I should play the clip. Oh, I think I know
2: what you're talking about. Yes
0: that was actual audio of people singing. It was like an audio trademark, so to speak. So like you, you boot up a Sega game and it has that sort of little like a jingle. That audio took up like a quarter of the memory on the cartridge uh-huh. because at that time, putting real audio, like recorded audio into a game was like a ton of data. And so there's debate about whether it was a fourth of the cartridge or an eighth, but like the entire game was, like, about the same size data-wise as uh, one second of singing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought That's that was awesome. cool.
2: By the way, Needle Mouse is not a real thing. This was something that was created for Sonic, right? Like, you can't, like, find a nature documentary about the Needle Mouse.
3: About a Needle Mouse? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think a hedgehog is not actually a Needle Mouse? Yeah. yeah. Valid.
2: Right. Okay, just checking. Right. You know, so. the whole yeah.
3: internet would be different, though, if they had named him Mr. Needle Mouse. Right. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying.
3: I'm telling you,
2: it's the next Slender Man. I hate to make <laughs> a prediction like that. That just sounds, it sounds so creepy.
3: But we also decided he's a friendly British man with a monocle.
2: Who kills people. <laughs> I
3: don't know. Uh, All right, fair, fair,
2: <laughs> fair. <laughs> Anywho, let's get into our interview. Uh, let's do it. We have a lot to discuss today. So we have our guest with us now. We're very excited to speak with Kay Thor Jensen. He is a writer who, in his own words, has been exploring the weird internet for about 20 years. Welcome, Thor.
5: Hey! Thanks for having me. Hey,
3: how you
2: doing?
5: Uh, pretty well. All things considered, I just got back from cooking at a summer camp in Vermont for five weeks, where I was in deep immersion with teenagers le- learning about all the memes they're into right now. So that was uh, whoa! <laughs> really the kids today.
3: Did you wow well, them with your knowledge of Sonic porn?
5: No. Uh, Were you I the coolest
3: counselor at camp?
5: I was. Well, the thing is, there's no internet there. It was like oh, a completely shit. technology-free camp, so they were so totally, you could only talk were,
2: about memes.
3: Yeah, like it was memes great. The
5: because a far. lot of them were super yes. worried. They were like, "Oh, we know the memes now, but we're gonna get out of camp, and we're gonna be like six weeks behind."
3: Wait, <laughs> seriously? Yeah, uh, we should give
2: so all kids old. that anxiety. No, what's happening? I like that. What are the big memes amongst the kids?
5: So, like going out with the boys. A big one is like me and the boys memes. They're still really into those. Those memes are big. Uh, yeah, there, it was, it was pretty, pretty diverse. So it's interesting. Like right when I went to, right when I left for camp, the gamer girl bathwater meme started and they hadn't heard about that one. So they were like really shocked by that. <laughs> that was a big deal. Do, do you guys know what that is?
2: No, I don't know that no. one.
3: Oh,
5: Thor, please. You want me to lift it? So, uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, this streamer, you know, Instagram personality was selling jars of her bathwater. For $30 a pop
3: Oh, I do know about this. And they sold out.
5: Yeah, very quickly. Remarkably quickly.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: What do we think people did with that bathwater?
3: Do we want to so know? So many like- <laughs> things. But they definitely jerked what off didn't into they it. Do?
0: We're, we're working on our yeah, merch. Jen, site we should for start selling P.
3: our shit. Literally, our yeah. shit. Let's sell our shit. Anybody wants to sell floss <laughs>
5: Unfortunately, it's it. against federal law to ship feces through the mail unless you have a specially marked biohazard bag. So Thor is very
2: useful to have around. <laughs> Thanks for knowing that. Yeah, yeah,
3: definitely. Yeah. Huh. You're my new favorite person, Thor. Also, I do my is best. is Thor your real name?
2: Thor
5: is my real name. It is my government name.
3: That's a fucking badass name.
5: Yeah, my parents smoked a lot of weed in the 70s. <laughs>
3: That's cool. So did I. Uh, No, I, anyway. So let's get to it. Thor, when did you
2: discover that Sonic was such a big character in fan fiction and in porn?
3: So
5: uh, in the late 1990s, I started a website called Portal of Evil, which was sort of a depository for links to weird internet. And as the internet grew, the site grew. And as we ran it, we started to notice themes that things were interesting, that you know weird people were interested in. And... In terms of video games, Sonic was disproportionately huge compared to other franchises. I knew it. There's reasons behind (laughs) it, but even back in like the early 2000s, like uh, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, there was already this sort of push that Sonic was a character that was adopted by the internet and sort of molded by the internet in ways that other video game characters weren't.
3: Okay, so why is this? Like, why? Why, That's a great why question? is this happening? Why?
5: Why is always the <laughs> question. So, what's interesting about Sonic, and as, as I've been prepping for this, I spent some time thinking about it, is that uh, unlike a lot of other video game characters, Sonic started being expressed in other mediums fairly rapidly. Like,. Um, his the comic book which is what we'll probably come back to a lot in terms of like fetishy stuff and universe stuff started in 1993 so very shortly after the character was introduced and it ran till 2017 whoa so whoa. it has this huge sonic has this huge sort of galaxy of other material around it that made it seem like he lived in a larger unexplored world so there's no way to talk about sonic without mm-hmm. talking about mario because they're like two sides of the same coin. And when you think about Mario, you right. think he exists in a very hermetically sealed, deterministic world, entirely controlled by Nintendo. There were like little spin-offs and stuff, little things, but the vast majority of Mario is sort of known and contained. But Sonic, Sega was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Why don't you take him and make a cartoon and take him and make a comic? And, you know, maybe perverts worked on those things. So these, like, extended universal sort of properties around the character were large and were made larger by the imaginations and interests of individuals. So it was sort of presented as, like, not a controlled universe, but a universe that other people could play in.
2: That's so interesting. So people could fill in the blanks, essentially, in into his life and his world. Yeah,
5: exactly. And so there are there are different interpretations. Like the story has one, and the cartoon has one interpretation. Like the games themselves are pretty minimal. At least the older ones, the '90s ones, are very minimal. You're you go fast and you free animals and you you know bop the Eggman on the head and that's it. Like they're very narrative light. So I it's it's it gave the fictional universe a lot more context. And to be frank, a lot of the context is weird context. Like it's, it's very strange. The sort of contextual elements that were introduced, like uh, in the comic, the comic book, one of the main personality traits that were, that was added to Sonic was that he loves chili dogs. Okay. And It's like, why, why is this? <laughs> nobody, nobody will ever yeah. really know. Some idiot, you know, working for Archie Comics was like, yeah, this fast rodent loves to eat chili dogs. Let's go. <laughs>
3: Brilliant. <laughs> that makes sense yeah. to me.
0: Why? Because it's so like out of it's left. It's also field. just like
3: so American. Like we have this like crazy character and he likes chili dogs.
0: Well, I have a follow-up question specifically on this. Um, in the '90s, early to mid '90s, around the same time frame, you know, when Sonic and Super Mario Brothers were sort of the big characters, the Mario Brothers had a cartoon show on network television, I think, which was sort of a hybrid sitcom with live actors slash animated uh, show for kids to capitalize on the Mario craze. Um, it it seemed tamer, and I don't think there was comics, but I guess you know. It seemed like Nintendo was expanding that universe, too, into other mediums. And so why did why do you think Sonic got weird and Mario was like, oh, a show for kids? Okay, who cares? You know,
5: so it's interesting. We're talking here about the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, yes, which is actually only aired for three months in 1989.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't remember this one.
0: Oh, interesting.
5: Yeah, it was it was incredibly incredibly short lived. Okay. So, and what's interesting about that is that show came about not from Nintendo reaching out because Nintendo doesn't reach out. It came from Deke, which is the uh, animation company, reaching in. Like literally, they tried to get Nintendo to license those characters to them for a year. Like mm-hmm. they really pushed and pushed and pushed to to get it. And uh, it was obviously not terrifically successful. You know, it was it was a, a different, you know, it was... and I think a lot of that can... You can talk about the format of it was very strange. It was hosted by, mm-hmm. you know, professional wrestler Captain Lou Albano as Mario. And mm-hmm. then it had like the live action stuff and the animation stuff. So what's interesting about that is there's really a sort of tonal shift in children's entertainment between the end of the 80s and the end of the 90s where... The Mario show was like lots of little self-contained sort of, you know, oh, here's our plumber brothers, and they get into a wacky adventure in the Mushroom Kingdom. And it was, again, we talked about these worlds being very sort of hermetically sealed. Like, they're, 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 Nintendo has said, this is what happens in a, in a Mario story, and this is what you can do, and, you know, there's not that much else that you can do in that space. Whereas Sega did not do that with Sonic. They were like, you know, just, you run with it, no pun intended, go wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. Mario show was like, you know, I'm looking at the list of guest stars uh, on the, the Wikipedia page for it. And I see that, you know, some characters that were included were Frankenstein's monster. And Santa Claus, so obviously they were sort of going in in <laughs> different directions, and apparently Moon Zappa as herself.
1: So, <laughs> of course, I <I'm>, mean,
5: <laughs> so and so. There's definitely stuff was happening with it, but it was not like a, it wasn't a cohesive world being painted. It was more like uh, it was slapstick. It was comedy. It was yeah. it was nothing, you know, sort of intense. So you compare that with Sonic, which was built, especially through the comics, which I think we're going to come back to a lot, because that's, I think, the the core of the modern Sonic fandom is the Archie comic. That was built in this huge universe, and you'd introduce new characters, and there'd be long-running like plot lines. It was all the stuff that kind of hooks a fan. so you're
3: saying if a world is not hermetically sealed, people will try to fuck it.
5: Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think an interesting thing is you could see recently, in one of the recent Mario games they introduced that princess crown, which would let Toad put it on and turn into Toadette, a female Toad. That was a crack in this Nintendo hermetically sealed world because very quickly after, you know, the internet found that. It's like, oh, we can put the princess crown on anybody and they'll turn into a girl. And so you got Bowsette, who was the Bowser that everybody wanted to fuck. So this is absolutely, (laughs) like, when you open these cracks, when you open these possibility spaces that's when, you know, the internet gets in like black mold. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. So as far as you know, what was the transition from this Archie comic into the world of the internet and people starting to write fan fiction?
5: Okay. So the Archie comics started in the mid nineties. So you can sort of balance that with the rise of the internet at about the same time, right? It's so the kids who were growing up Reading, you know, the Sonic Archie, the uh, Archie Sonic comic are also the kids who are growing up as first generation of knowing that the Internet is out there and knowing that they have access to it. So you think like a kid who is, you know, five or six in 93, you know, is 15 in 2003, is ready to get on DeviantArt or whatever. You know, and they have this character as a sort of part of their childhood. It's something that they have internalized. So I think that it's hard to say exactly when Sonic fandom broke on the internet. It's a very difficult thing to measure, but I think that it's definitely, it's generational. It's a very, it's a very direct sort of generational link.
3: Um, The things that this says about humanity is wild. So, okay. In addition to everyone wanting to fuck Sonic, Sonic fans are like super fucking fervent and loyal. Why is that? Like they're allowed to mess with Sonic every fucking which way. But if you mess with Sonic in a way they didn't want you to, they go crazy, right?
5: That's absolutely true. And it's really interesting that a lot of franchises like this run, at least partly on nostalgia. Like people remember their first exposure to something and that's like the one that is meaningful and valuable to them so for a lot of people those are those those sega genesis sonic games kids in the 90s those are the ones that they have value and i think one of the things that fed into that is that uh between you know the genesis era and the modern era sega really fell on a lot of rough times like they had a number of you know, consoles that didn't behave well. They had the Saturn, which was the Genesis follow-up, where there was not a single Sonic game released for that console at all. So people who were like, for Mario, like, you are always get some Mario. Nintendo will always give you a little bit of Mario every year, every year or two. You'll always get it.
3: Apparently, you can always get some Sonic.
5: And Well, that's the thing is, you can't always get some Sonic. You <laughs> couldn't Indiana. always get some Sonic. There was a yeah. big gap in between. And then after Sega's final console, the Dreamcast... And they went out of hardware production. People were like, when are we ever going to see Sonic again? You know, is Sega ever going to work with another company? Like the idea of seeing Sonic on another system when it was Sega's baby was very, you know, it was not something that people took as a given. So there was these large gaps in 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 the sort of ability to interact with this character in video games. So for Mario, like Mario can change very gradually over time. Like they'll polish little bits here, little bits there, little bits here, little bits there and people don't freak out because they have this sort of continuity of change to go through. But for Sonic, there was like these there were big gaps and It wasn't always negative. Like when Sonic Adventure was released on the Dreamcast, they redesigned all the main characters to make them, you know, more hip for the day's youth or whatever. And that was in 1999. And those changes were pretty, you know, were well accepted at the fandom. I think the fandom hadn't calcified that much and it was not like a significant thing. But as the fandom ages, as you know, when you as you get older, you get more stubborn and, you know more stupid. As this fandom ages, they're they're very <laughs> attached to a certain period of expression. And I think that they see steps outside of that period of expression as sort of taking away from, you know, what they loved about the character. And it's not but entirely their fault. they it's, take
3: that character out of context in a million different ways.
5: Right. And they have people licking his feet or whatever. So it's it's like it's a big. That's right. There's 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 hypocrisy in it, but I think that the hypocrisy is it's more like. Sega's expression of Sonic is supposed to be the true expression of Sonic. Like they understand that fan work, you know, nobody's getting mad okay. at a fan artist for, you know, whatever they're doing because it's fan work. They understand that it's part of this sort of expanded, like fuzzy universe, but Sega is are supposed to be the ones, you know, they created him. They're supposed to understand what makes him good and what makes him valuable and what makes people, you know, uh, bond with him and connect with him. And over the past 10, 15 years, it's become increasingly evident that in many ways they don't know that. So I think a lot of the reaction has been to the sort of really shoddy nature of the official product. Like people are upset that they don't get what they love from this franchise, In not in a way that is subjective. I mean, not enjoyment is subjective in general, but in a way that is uh, sort of ignorant of what the character offered in the first place.
3: I love how much you know about this.
5: I know me too. This is my job.
2: (laughs) I would love for us to get into the fan art. Fan fiction, porn, everything that's out there. And, you know, we, I don't think we've said this to our listeners yet, but we sort of found Thor through this geek.com article where he essentially just like goes through all of these different types of Sonic fan art that are insane. Um, So I guess maybe a place to start would be fetishes. Why not? Um, So, what are, can you talk to us about some of the biggest fetish overlaps with the Sonic character?
5: Yeah. So, feet, obviously. All the time feet. Yeah. Because, I mean, Sonic, is his whole job is running, so he goes fast. His feet are sweaty. His feet are dirty. His feet are disgusting. And so naturally, people are going to kind of follow that through line. And the interesting thing about Sonic Vendor is you'll see virtually every major fetish is represented in it. It's such a malleable character that you can do a lot with him. And that kind of goes back to his, you know, essential Sonic's only personality is he's cool. Like there's not much else to him. <laughs> so it's easy to, you know, it's easy to put him in any situation you can think of. So foot stuff, you get all, inflation a lot and vor a lot. I don't know if you need me to explain vor.
3: Well, we actually are looking. We just learned, yeah, we about, just learned about it and we're looking into it. But for our listeners, is it's when people want to be eaten.
5: Yes, people want to eat or be eaten.
3: And inflation is a fetish?
5: Inflation is a huge fetish and has oh been for gosh. a very long time.
3: All right, I'm taking notes for future episodes.
5: Yeah, so you'll see inflation and vor <laughs> are also very sort of there's a lot of cross overlap between the two.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Like it's it's not uncommon to see, you know, the, those two sets of interests. Fine, but yeah, inflation is basically vor without the eating.
2: Great, and sorry, just to be clear, yeah, inflation is that Sonic would be like blown up, yeah, like or, a big uh, to to a larger size.
3: Okay. Not One like a the l- larger
5: size gets you into giantism, which is different. But inflation oh, yeah. is literally yes. like, like rounded like a
2: balloon. Okay. But it's not looning. It's not lunars.
3: This is something That's different. different. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, there's okay. probably overlap.
0: Well, and, and I'm sorry, just to complete the definition, like blowing up as a balloon and then what? Like you just, you just look at the balloon or it's or it's what goes the on from there. I think it's more the state of being inflated,
5: being a conscious living thing that has been inflated is attractive to some and i mean this kind of fetishism goes there's a lot of in the real world the origins of this stuff goes for people who'd wear like latex bodysuits and inflate those and be like and you can find you know plenty of video and photographs of this kind of thing on the internet but it's that kind of sensation is attractive
0: take notes guys because like there are we have covered so many fetishes that are like Okay, I, I that's not my thing, but I understand we all eat or we all experience size different you know, size change or whatever. It's like I understand why those are things. I don't understand inflation. Like, it doesn't compute as a thing that people would uh, be attracted to.
3: Well, listeners, if you're into inflation, get in touch. We'll do an episode on it. Okay, so Thor, what are the other uh, major fetishes that uh, Sonic finds himself involved with?
5: I mean, it would be easier to list fetishes that he doesn't. Like, it is Sonic is such a <laughs> malleable character. All right, give me the top that, ten.
3: Top ten. I mean, we got inflation. Top ten. That we got. So we have,
5: in, in, okay, feet. so you have inflation, four feet, um, sex change—you get a lot, okay. like uh, that sort of like you know identity change. Yeah. Um, uh, Feeding. It's there's just there's a lot of just sort of straight up just romantic sonic sex art. You know, just like I'm in a <laughs> okay. I'm in a romantic relationship with Sonic, and that is why we make love. Uh-huh. You know, you'll get you'll get plenty of that. A lot of connections that way. Uh-huh. I think that the big ones are the ones we've mentioned, but I mean, there's definitely plenty mm-hmm. of urine stuff. There's a lot of there's actually a oh, weird God. subgenre of Sonic as toilet. There's like a fair amount of that kind of shape shifting thing that you'll see uh-huh.
2: where you where he is the He's, urinal and you're like peeing. Yeah, into his mouth. and there's there's
5: it's okay. and so there's more of that than I think there should be but i mean i don't know if there should be any of that <laughs> so there but there's certainly some i mean it's because the character is so sort of personalityless in so many ways he can be cast in any scenario so there's sonic bondage obviously there's you know sonic domination submission stuff there's sonic you know there's uh, sonic Giantist stuff there's it's it's he is a cipher and so he can be used in any way that the fandom wishes to use him.
2: What is Take My Blood? That's one you mentioned in the article.
5: Oh, so this is like goth stuff. So we can really get into Sonic and goth community crossover. And I think that'll take us into sort of Sonic OC's original characters. Because I think that's kind of the evolution of this, where beyond Sonic himself as a character, there is this sort of Sonic universe or the Sonic Character design philosophy as a way to express, you know, your own your own character. You see that a lot in the fan articles. There's a bunch of Sonic OCs, and this is a, If you know, do we know what an OC is? Do we need to talk about that?
2: We talked about that with bronies, but I'd love to be reminded.
5: Okay, so an OC is an original character, which is kind of paradoxical because it's a character that is created in imitation of the style of a fictional universe or of a media property. So like a brony OC is, you know, you're my little pony horse that has your markings, your sort of interests, your character. And so a sonic OC is, you know, what if I lived in this hedgehog world? What kind of of creature would I be? Uh, So it's a big deal. And so there's actually a very popular Google name where you type in your name and then the hedgehog and you see what people, you know... What people have, the OCs people have already created with your name.
2: Oh, that's fun. Like you could. We're all doing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think there (laughs) is definitely a Thor the Hedgehog on that, man.
5: And so OCs and Sonic come out of a very specific moment in the franchise, which was the introduction of, and this is going to sound really terrible, the introduction of Shadow the Hedgehog. In Sonic Adventure, we knew yeah. it. Yeah, in 2001, <laughs> Sonic Adventure. Chen, you called that.
2: Do we want to talk about Shadow? Because Shadow's
5: pretty amazing.
2: Yes, please, please. <laughs> As
5: part of their effort to make Sonic more relevant to the modern era, they introduced Shadow, who was like Sonic but black and red and tough, and he was sort of an anti-hero in the game. He was, he was, he was, you know, had even more tude. And sort of the nadir of Shadow came where he got his own game in 2005, where the promotional artwork pictured him pointing a realistic handgun at the viewer. Whoa! And so that I think okay. is it's one of these things where, like, <laughs> they, as we discussed before, like they, Sega had no idea what they were doing. Like they were completely in the weeds with this and just <laughs> throwing things at the wall to see what stuck and I think that that sort of philosophy that attitude of like well we can do anything with these head they can have guns now you know why not <laughs> chili dogs Chilly, and yeah, it's like yeah. that Gun. kind of attitude opens the door for these original characters like well if there's a shadow the hedgehog who rollerblades and has a handgun then sure there's a Jeff the hedgehog who you know likes to listen to Lincoln Park you know it's just what it is there's every hedgehog uh, yeah, we're all yeah. hedgehogs <laughs>
2: So, how much does this translate to uh like role play in real life get, where people would dress up in oh, Sonic shit. outfits?
3: I like that question. <laughs> yeah,
2: I like it too, but I don't know if I have an answer for it. <laughs>
5: I don't know of okay. a lot ah. of. So, what we're talking about here is we're talking about going into fursuit territory, essentially, where you have like your mascot yeah. costumes. Yeah. I don't yeah. personally know a lot of Sonic fursuiters. Like, and I don't mean personally, like hang out with, I don't personally know of the existence of a lot of Sonic fursuiters. I'm sure they mm. exist.
3: All right, listeners, if you are a Sonic fursuiter, tweet us. I'm at Allie Gold.
5: I'm at Bugger. I'm sure they exist. I mean, I can't, I have not personally heard of, you know, or seen any photo shoots of people yiffing in their Sonic fursuits, but I'm sure I will bet my child's college fund that it has absolutely happened.
2: <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs>
3: That's a bold bet. Um, so... When you were researching for this article Is there anything that was too fucked up It didn't make the cut
5: uh, Yeah I mean there's We have content standards on geek That I can't you know I can't show exposed penises or whatever And there's plenty of exposed penis sonic art Obviously
3: Like sonic dick
5: Oh yeah sonic And you okay. know there's Is he cut is he uncut You There's plenty to <laughs> My wife just oh my gasped god. audibly When I said that
2: sentence <laughs> yes.
3: I heard Oh my god <laughs> This is the most fascinating She gasped interview. for all of us. This yeah. is just like such a look <laughs> into humanity and hedgehogs. It's
5: incred- It's just incredible <laughs> that this weird little character who was created essentially by focus group to just to just be cool. Has become this incredible avatar for everything wrong with us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Could you do you know much about Sega's creation of the character? Because my perception, with limited research, is just like we got to beat Mario. We just need a cute character to do a cool thing. Oh, he runs fast. Boom! We got it. We got a game.
5: Yeah. So you're right that they needed they needed a mascot character to overcome Mario, and he wasn't the first mascot character that Sega tried to introduce like they definitely their first character was a Alex kid who was a blonde young boy and there who would punch things. And that was like his whole deal. So they're not very good at this in a lot of ways.
3: They they were, I
5: mean, they were always in second place for a long time. And so, you know, when you're in second place, sometimes you just, kind of don't work so hard so but what they did is like they literally took their r&d department and they said we need a mascot character we need a mascot character that appeals to americans and well actually one thing that's interesting is that a producer there uh collected a bunch of designs that the japanese r&d team and then went to central park in new york city and literally uh, stopped people walking around on the street was like what do you think of this what do you think of this? Which, can you imagine hmm. just hmm. the absolute weirdness of like a random no. Japanese businessman <laughs> stopping you in Central Park and asking you what you think of like this armadillo?
2: I think it was like a Banksy exhibit. Like I was being it's filmed. It's wild. Yeah. So,
3: that would make my day.
5: It's actually not that weird in New York, to be honest. The character that got the best response from these passersby was uh, a blue hedgehog who they had yeah. called Mr. Needle Mouse.
3: Uh, that was uh, our trivia
5: today and we got
3: it to remind us of our <laughs> failures <laughs> That is the best name, though. I just didn't think it could be I mean, Mr. Needlemouse is like a
0: drug awareness subway ad mascot.
3: (laughs) So
1: good.
0: And there was a lot of like, we got to make it like Mario, but also like Mickey Mouse seems popular. So it's got to be like that, too. That's what I read a little bit of. They were just aping a lot of existing popular characters and smushing them into like this hedgehog. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the more interesting things about it is they wanted to make Sonic...
5: A character that kids could easily draw
3: well they succeeded there <laughs> drawing and fucking yeah
5: absolutely so look at that beyond their wildest dreams
3: is success
2: so i was curious about i am curious about the religious sonic art and how much of that you've seen what forms it takes i think there's a sonic crucified drawing that i saw in your article oh my god what, what, what? How else does this religion appear?
5: If you go on to DeviantArt, you can see pretty much anybody crucified you want to. Okay. So I don't think this is.
2: Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> but one to of know, the weirder
5: sentences I've said in a while.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Got this it. whole interview. There was also sonic praying or? <laughs> yeah. I mean,
5: I would question how much of this religious sonic art is... Uh, Earnest and how much is ironic? There's definitely a sort of vibratory area in between, yeah. but you'll see a lot of Sonic 911 tributes. That's a big I was, thing. I could have done a whole yeah. Right, right, right. Of I was gonna article that. That was a yeah. big what? Yeah. So I think that I don't know if there's anything inherently religious to Sonic, but I think that much like Shrek, he's a character that thrives in situations that are more divorced from his original context. So Sonic in a religious context is satisfying and interesting because it's so far away from where you would normally see him.
2: Yeah, And is the nine 11 art. Is that, I assume that's earnest, right? Yeah. There's a lot of very earnest on nine 11
5: art. Yeah. Yes. It was a big, big deal at the time. That was, I think really the sort of initial rise of the fandom happened in those years. So I think that was definitely a time where you're seeing a lot of original characters for the first time and a lot of, you know, a lot of the boom in sonic fan arts yes and i mean people reacted to that event in lots of different ways so you know who's to say whether drawing a hedgehog crying over it is any less valid than you know marvel comics put out a issue of uh, spider-man that had dr doom crying about it so you know, we all cried
2: yep can we talk about some of the crossovers like there's sonic simpsons we saw sonic lion king what are some other ones that exist crossover like
5: that kind of mashup culture is is a huge part of fan art in general it's something that is not uh sonic exclusive but what's interesting about sonic is that his visual style has changed you know pretty subtly but pretty dramatically over the last couple decades so but there's still certain very recognizable elements like that color you see the color blue like that 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 sort of dark teal blue that Sonic is, that's like Sonic's color. And if you see a character colored like that in some other universe's style, you're if you spend enough time, you know, looking at this stuff, you're gonna automatically associate that with Sonic. His base design can be boiled down into a few iconic colors and shapes. And it's very easy to translate those iconic colors and shapes into other fictional universes and other drawing styles very easily.
2: And into Jesus.
5: And
0: into Jesus, (laughs) who also tested very well in focus. (laughs) You see him in a lot of fan art. Yeah,
3: no, no, we're with you. (laughs) uh, Oh my God. So, um, I feel like this is
2: depressing you.
3: I know. I'm like, I'm just so fascinated. Like the problem with podcasts is that you guys can't see my face where the whole time I'm just like, huh? (laughs) So, um, did any of the uh, artists uh, know they were included in your article?
5: I have not had any outreach from any who have, which I mean, I'm sure most of them would be fine with it. Artists like exposure. They like people looking at their stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I can't say I've heard from any of them.
3: And what was the general audience reaction?
5: Stop doing this. <laughs> Don't do this. Why do you have a job? Gotcha.
3: gotcha. <laughs> the the force, it's, it's too strong. It's not you. I mean, this is not... You can't stop this wave. Uh,
2: so, what are your thoughts on the new Sonic movie that's coming out? Oh, it's incredibly
5: terrible. It looks it's such a great illustration of everything this fandom has been upset about. Like we've talked before about how the the fandom is like they have this sort of idealized mental image of what this character means to them and how this character should be portrayed and depicted and then this trailer comes out and the entire the entire like I don't think you could have found a single positive reaction to that trailer. Did you see any?
3: <laughs> I don't think I went as deep as you, but yeah.
5: It didn't matter where you were, if you'd played Sonic once as a kid or if you were like this hardcore fan who screams about his arms being the wrong color. Like, everybody hated it. And to create something that's that universally derided with a character that is this universally beloved is an incredible achievement. It's a it's a <laughs> <Yes>. tremendous accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think it's it's, yes. it's fascinating to me that after the outcast, cry the studio is like we're gonna fix it we're not gonna put out this movie that looks like this and how do you do that how do you go back in a movie where you're already in trailer right ready you've already shot a bunch of footage you've already spent a lot of money for something that you know i am not really hopeful that the sonic movie is going to make a lot of money i don't I think that that ship sailed, you know, 20 years ago. So, it's, Well, I
3: guess based on your article, there's a huge, huge fandom. And if they can correct the character, maybe it'll make a ton of money. The thing but is... But they've got to have Sonic fucking. Right.
5: they got to make that a hard R. How mm. steamy
3: <laughs> does this movie get?
5: You know, really? Quentin Tarantino's talking about not making movies anymore, but he loves feet. Sonic loves feet. Mm-hmm. I think we could call in like a little, you know, <laughs> post-production rewrite. And I think we could get something going. I love that.
3: I think that's an excellent plan.
5: It's fascinating. I'm very curious as to when the movie comes out, what people think. Because I don't know if the Sonic fandom is as big as people think it is, but it's loud. I -hmm. think that there's... And on the internet, it's very easy to make that mistake.
0: That was my big question. When I saw this movie, I'm like, for who? like who who loves sonic this much that they would go and see them like i didn't understand who it was for and and i just my perception was that it was a small but loud fandom and everyone else is like yeah that was a cool game but i wouldn't there's no larger world to fill in the plot of a movie and uh perhaps the fans have have filled it in themselves, and that's why there is an o- now an audience for the movie. Yeah,
5: I think that what's interesting is that there so that's is what they're banking on you know in these like we've talked about the comic and the fuse There are these larger worlds around Sonic, but they're not using any of those for the movie. The movie is a whole different, whole different timeline, yeah, exactly. whole different. I honestly don't think that they will ever be able to please the fan base with a movie. I, they're never going to the fan base is never going to get the movie that they want.
3: Yeah, because the movie that they want has feet and Jesus in it and inflation and then people <laughs> pan into Sonic's mouth.
5: That's the movie we all want.
3: <laughs> that is the movie that we all
0: want. But but let's say for argument's sake there is a large enough subset of the fandom who, who is not interested in that stuff. They want a Sonic Universe movie that is true to whatever idealized oh, Matt, fandom there is. Oh, that's cute. They is. don't want and that. Movie they just want to see some fucking... Well... <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? No, I get your question. Like
5: the, Why not? the sort of the pure, the pure Sonic fans, the ones who just want to go fast. They don't want any of this other nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, a good question. I think that that sort of segment of the fan base might even be the most vocal nostalgia driven. You know, we love this about Sonic and this alone fan base, I think is, you know, it's, fairly large. I mean, the thing with Sonic is as bad as so many of the recent games are and as sort of degraded as the character is, it's, those games are still make decent amount of money. They still sell. They sell to parents, you
0: know, they sell to children. Right. And that's how I perceive the movie of, like, Oh, a dumb kid who played a bad Sonic game is like, I like Sonic. There's a movie. Let's go see the movie. And it's just dumb kids bringing their, par- dragging their parents to a kid's movie. That was my perception of this as a money grab. And that was, yeah, all and it I was. think that's
5: absolutely true. But I think that they did not prepare for the uh, of age <laughs> Sonic fans to uh, weigh in right. on the issue.
3: And so vocally. Mm -hmm. So do you have any final words for us on the Sonic fetish fandom and what it says about all of us? I, I mean, I think that
5: what's fascinating to me about any of these like pop culture fetish fandoms is how we use culture and we use these characters to sort of interpret the world we live in. Like somebody who is too shy to draw a picture of themselves being turned into a urinal and pissed in can use Sonic as like their avatar to express these desires, these feelings, this sort of sexuality that they might not be able to explore Mm. themselves. So. Sonic Oh really beautiful. Yeah, I th- you know I think that it's it's good for everybody. I think that yeah. Sega should be proud.
3: Yeah, if I can't get my mouth peed in, <laughs> I can get Sonic's mouth peed in. Yeah. Alright. It's wonderful.
5: I aim to uplift.
3: Well my heart my heart's been warmed. Uh, thank you for all the new material from my spank bank. Uh, I have so much to think about. It's really been a beautiful interview. <laughs>
5: It was a pleasure on this end as well.
3: Thanks so much, Thor.
5: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, that guy put us to shame, Jamula. Mm. I mean, he knows so much. I thought that we were experts in the weird wormholes of the internet and we know nothing.
2: Maybe he should take over.
3: Thor, he should take one over. Thor,
2: one podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I mean, holy shit. We learned about new fetishes today. The Sonic situation is out of control. He yeah. knew so much about it. I'm really fascinated
2: <sighs> by this idea of like an incomplete world and people wanting to fill in the blanks. So that's just yes. like a natural human tendency. Yeah. But yes. still,
3: why? the tendency to fill it in
2: with dick. <laughs> because we're that, humans. We're humans and then maybe that is just the internet. Like I love it when he was like so what said something about like, you know, um younger people being around when the original Sonic was and then when they were fifteen years old, they discovered deviant art. Like that's a natural thing that would happen to any fifteen year old. But like that's such obviously like a thing in the age of the internet. Totally, it's like totally. we're only looking at that because of the internet. But yeah, like when I was right. a kid, I wouldn't think to infuse my favorite childhood things into porn. So
3: yeah. yeah, it's still yeah. it's still a leap that I don't quite understand, but love.
0: <laughs> it makes me wonder if very meticulous worlds like Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Star Wars, these these have very detailed and expansive. There's histories a lot of Harry Potter
3: fan fiction, though. Uh,
0: yeah, so so, but do do we think there's more or less? Because I I see a lot of like. Deep fan theories of like, oh, this could have happened because of this, but I don't see. I guess I'm not looking for it, but I don't, I don't, I don't come across the idea of Game of Thrones uh, fan fiction art. But I guess there is a lot of art. I don't know. There must I, I be. Know.
3: I find that that with worlds like that, it's a little more shipping based. It's like, oh, sure. Harry and Hermione should have totally. been together, or Jon totally. Snow and what? You know what I mean?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. right. And it doesn't
3: get quite as prolifically strange
0: it's just yeah. the strangeness, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, like I'm
3: sure there's some porn about peeing in Harry Potter's mouth, but like I don't think it's as vast as the right. Sonic fan art situation. Right. I wonder how much yeah. in the Sonic in
2: the Sonic universe, which made me giggle every time, by the way, because that Podglomerate's tagline, which is the, you know part of this podcast, is <laughs> oh the Sonic universe. <laughs> A Sonic
0: universe.
2: It does make me wonder the proportion of fan fiction with Sonic versus fan art. Uh, interesting that he was saying Sonic is an easy character to draw, so it seems like there would naturally be a lot of fan art. But um, right. I, yeah, I'm not sure how much people are writing about him in
0: comparison. And and the Mario universe is not fleshed out. It is it is a dumb th- system of like just jump on blocks and whatever. Like there's no deep character development there. There's I don't so much think.
3: room for fucking in that game. That's what
0: I'm saying. And why isn't there? It's so weird. Well, it's
3: yeah. too rub
2: are Mario and Luigi brothers.
0: Yes.
3: The big yeah, question, don't pre- no but don't pretend that turtle cest isn't a thing with the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Mario and Luigi can oh. definitely fuck each other. m yeah. I mean, that could be a thing.
0: Right, right, right. We
3: didn't yeah. even get into m today. There's a lot of mm. Sonic m Oh, That's
0: gosh, true. really? Yeah. yeah.
3: Is this our dirtiest episode? What do you guys think? Is it? Hmm. It doesn't feel shocking to me in any way.
2: Maybe just because we've covered so much. But yeah, I think we had the, the highest concentration of fetishes in this
3: episode (laughs) and we learned about future episodes um i'm really impressed by his uh, depth of knowledge in this area
0: it's not about dirtiness or shockingness it's about connecting the dots between like you know, you grow up and you see animated characters and you watch The Lion King and you're like and then you become sexually aware and then you're like, OK, I'm connecting those dots into uh, yeah, my I mean, furry Yeah, that's fetish. exactly
3: what Dominic. exactly. That's what he said. That, 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 that,
0: I, 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 it's not for me, but I get the I get where the line is drawn. And for this, I it, it's weirder to us because it's harder to see the line. And so and Thor drew it for us and it made more sense after the interview. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I also was like, "Is this enough of a topic for an entire interview?" And it absolutely <laughs> was. Yeah, we could have
0: kept he going. He knew
3: so much about Sonic and yeah. his porn. Yeah. Wow. Well, well,
0: would anyone like to hear what? some calls from the public?
3: Yes. Call, yes. Call, 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 call.
0: Here are some of our latest voicemails. I
3: love- from the public. Hey guys, uh, my name is Andrea. I'm from Philly. I just listened to your
2: uh, Sweepers um, episode and you had said to call in and just tell us where we are calling from and why we are listening. And I am on my way to rehearsal for a show called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. It's kind of like an emo, angsty, punk rock musical about how shitty Andrew Jackson was. I'm an actor. You guys are actors and I listen to you guys all the time when I'm driving. It's a little bit of a 45 minute commute. So you guys are my number one choice for podcasts. I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for everything you do. You are inspiring and I hope to be as funny as you guys one day. Thanks. Bye. Oh, I really love oh that. My God, that's so nice. Also, I think everybody should call in, but I have to say we rarely get voicemails from women. So that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Andrea.
3: Yeah, and fellow actors. Thank you. Yeah. Huh. Have you guys heard of that show? Yes. Yeah, totally. I saw it. It was at the public. I didn't see it, though.
2: I saw it when it was on Broadway, but it was a long time ago. It was over a decade ago, I think. Oh, Um, is
0: that right? Okay. Yeah.
2: Really? It was that long?
0: Was it pre-Hamilton? It just it Pre struck Hamilton. me as like yeah. okay. Pre oh, interesting. Hamilton. Okay, okay, yeah. Cool. But
2: yeah. maybe like sort of yeah, laid the ground for a historically based sort of. I think it was a rock musical, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, Did emo, you like emo, it? Email, I see. Sorry, Andrea, but I, I don't remember liking it. <laughs> Not loving it. <laughs> I
4: don't
3: know. <laughs> I met someone who was like, "Bloody, bloody, Andrew Jackson is better than Hamilton," and I was like, "That seems impossible." But I have. Yeah, I think seen it. it's a matter of taste. <laughs> I but, either you know, preferences, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's so fucking cool. Well, congrats on being in the show. Yes.
4: All right. One more voicemail. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Hey, good evening. My name is Boridge that's my writing name. I'm responding to your podcast where you talked about macrophilia. Uh, I really enjoyed the interview with Pete. He had a fantastic reservoir of knowledge about the origins of the parts of the community. Um, myself, I've been into it since childhood. I didn't realize it had a name or anything. Um, I began writing stories uh, when, I, when I was in college, about 20 years ago, and about that time, uh, I finally got access to the internet and just began immediately discovering online communities everywhere—grainy um, uh, bitmap collages to uh, huge reservoirs of uh, FTP files that people have been sharing with each other, uh, trading stories back and forth. So, yeah, I've been um, I've been writing all this time. Uh, very recently, became, relatively recently, became a self-published author. And uh, as Pete mentioned, I've been out to uh, SizeCon a couple times and actually met some other uh, creators um, that I call friends now. And uh, I think that's really cool. Um, my only addition to the whole macrophilia, microphilia conversation is uh, in talking with several of the people in the community, I tend to notice a division between um, uh, men and women, men who want to be shrunk down. Um, it's mostly always a uh, sexual experience for them and they want to be uh, overwhelmed by sex or taken and feel, feel loved, made to feel loved, um, maybe just even having their personalities obliterate, obliterated or even watching someone else being destroyed, the uh, the thrill of death next with uh, the sexual impulse there. Whereas with women, many of them do find it sexual to become giantesses, but it's also um, a non-sexual experience um, thrill of power, like being uh, unbeholding to restraints or, or morality or law and just being completely empowered to act on your every last one. And I find that a lot with, uh, with the women who want to be giantesses. It's interesting. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed your podcast. I thought you did a very fair job. Kudos to Pete to representing um, the community at large. And uh, I will keep listening. Thank you.
2: The community at large. Just kidding.
3: <laughs> I know. The puns are too So Jen, did his uh, assessment of giantesses resonate with you? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help how big I am. I don't feel super powerful or anything. What's funny is that Jen's like not that tall. I just You're just a <laughs> you lot just taller Ken than I am. Years. And yeah. so comparatively, people... Talk about us as really short and really tall, right?
0: <laughs> but seriously, Jen, when you destroy a city, is it how is do you it feel? It's like it really empowering, or,
1: like, or is do it you a wanna, more empowerment? Yeah, what do
3: you think? I feel pretty dead inside. Just kidding. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> okay,
3: okay. I, I so he hate... mentioned it goes with that death fetish. All yeah, right, that's cool. it. That's
2: it. Well, thank you for your addition to that conversation. Um, I would love to know how much the macrophilia microphilia fetish how it plays out in real life. I know we talked to Pete a little bit about that, but I'm still not entirely clear like what the role playing looks like. So,
3: yeah, if you would like to let like us know that, stilts. yeah,
2: yeah, anyone who wants to let us know that, tweeted us, um, or if, if you want to keep it a little more private, call us anonymously, and or uh, you could pop into our Discord server, discord.gg/tg1p. You could even private message us in there if you want to remain anonymous. So, yeah, uh, let us know what the role play looks like.
3: Yeah. Well, I feel like we've asked the listeners a lot of questions throughout this episode and I'm sticking with it. Me too. I want to hear from you all. Matt, that was awesome. Thank you. Do we
2: have more that you're just like holding?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Plenty <laughs> more. But uh, we okay. we got we got more episodes to record. Okay. So, yeah. yeah,
3: that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's so exciting. All right, guys. Well, tweet me at Allie Gold. And
2: I'm at Junebugger. You can also email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can call us and leave us your very own voicemail. That phone number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347
1: 871
2: And as I just mentioned, you can hop into our Discord server, discord.gg 2G1P. You can only get that link here. Join us and a community of listeners discussing the, sh- uh, the episodes that you hear, also suggesting topics for future episodes, and even some interview questions. Um, Allie, if they want to contribute, how do they do that?
3: Go to patreon.com 2 g one 1p. Wonderful.
2: Do it. (laughs) Well, thanks, everybody. Um, Let us know what you think about Sonic and uh, we'll catch you next week.
3: And thanks for listening to us in this Sonic universe. Two
1: Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Proportions, I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of the Daily Dot, the number one source for in depth reporting about life on the Internet.
0: (laughs) The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.